Hello everyone and welcome back to What Would The Smart Party Do? This time, no more stunt bazzies. He's <laughs> fought his way through and we have the one, the only, the incomparable Mr. Bass Stevens. How are you doing, Bass? I'm alright, thank you, mate. <laughs> Thanks for the introduction. No, definitely not a stunt bazz. <laughs> great. Oh, listen, thank you very much to the previous stunt bazzies. Guy, Dirk, what a great job you did. It's so, so weird to be listening to a show I co-host as a punter. Uh, but yeah, great job, great conversations too, Gaz. So it was really nice to sort of uh, feedback on Twitter and, and give a comment into my own show. <laughs> I thought the guys did a really, really good job, and I, I want to thank them personally for like holding the fort while I was dealing with some stuff. Mm. Yes, yeah, I'll add to that. Thanks, guys. It was good to have you on. Uh, lovely conversations. But some of our audience listeners have mentioned that it's the dynamic between you and I that really bring this show to life. So um, it's good to have you back. Well, thanks, mate. I, I hope to be the Torville to your dean. Yes, quite. Yeah. I'm not <laughs> sure whether my knee's up to lifting you up for a triple apex these days, but we'll see. See how we get on. <laughs> uh, one of the things we wanted to talk about this time was fighting. Yeah. Not each other necessarily, but we've been playing some Feng Shui recently. Or I've given it a couple of goes. Mm. And one of the things about that that people frequently say is that it might not have any longevity and the game specifically talks about having three fights a session and that kind of thing and then does that mean that's boring and then you rightly pointed out that things like D&D have two or three fights a session potentially and yeah. not much rules for anything that's not doing that and many of the games are similar so that got us thinking about fights in general and should they be in games are they interesting enough? Do, do games make them interesting? What makes an interesting fight? How long should it last? All those sort of questions. So, hmm. uh, Although Feng Shui's got a bit of a structure to it that perhaps brings it more to the fore than perhaps some other games do because of the explicit way the game's designed and meant to be run, uh, a lot of games have um, perhaps might be lacking because they don't give you that instruction. Hmm. Uh, when you sit down to a game of D&D, it doesn't necessarily tell you how many scrapes your characters are supposed to get into, how long they should last, how survival they should be, or anything like that. But it is kind of implicitly expected, given the weight of rules that are given over to fighting things, that you will fight things, right? Correct. So we're going to have a look at a couple of things here, aren't we? Like, first of all, how, how do we make fighting good in, in, in RPGs? Uh, tips and tricks, that kind of stuff. What are good examples? What are some counter examples, I suppose? Uh, what's the point? What's the point of combats? In RPGs, I know already, guys. I am absolutely convinced of this. There will be people listening, our loyal listeners, our loyal patrons, and some of them will be shaking their head, going, "Oh, combat! It's my least favourite thing about gaming." And and you know, without wanting to undermine the premise, there is, you know, and a caveat supply as always. Values of stocks can go up as well as down. Um, there are some games that feature no combats at all, uh, either in the rules or in the session. That's fine. Not telling anybody that they've got to have fights in their game. But I think I think we have to we have to recognise that that in the trad world, every book's got a great big fat combat chapter, hasn't it? Quite. And and, and there'd be a reason for that. And I think people can be quick to dismiss combat. And and I, do you know what? Let me just put this out there. I hate combat too when it's poor combat. But when mm -hmm. combat's good, I think it's great. It's just like any other scene. It can be good or it could be bad. And, and bad combat is awful. But I definitely think it's an area that's got lots of potential fixes in it lots of advice it's clearly got rule support hasn't it so um, sure. um yeah but, but do you find that mate have you in your circles have you encountered combat naysayers they see it as like a, f a failure in the game state if a fight happens 
I think mostly it's expected if you're playing a game that has them in. So yeah, I'll, I'll reiterate your caveat. I'm aware that if you're playing Golden Sky Stories or some other games, getting into fights is not expected or even mm. desirable. So with that caveat put to one side, generally people do expect to get in a scrape at some point, whether it's because you're trying to sneakily get into some warehouse or a dungeon or whatever, and you're going to mess it up and then you're going to inevitably fight the guards. Or because someone's taken something that you want and you need to get it back. Or if someone's been a baddie and you need to stop them, that's going to involve fighting them because they won't stop any other way and that kind of thing. I think what people tend to have a naysay about is if it's just a fight for a fight's sake. I think mostly if there's a narrative reason why it's happening or it seems interesting, people can be on board with it. But then I think as I mentioned about longevity as well, people will get fed up if the the fight outstays its welcome. Mm-hmm. An example would be I played some of our um, God's Own game, Earth Dawn, at a convention two or three years ago when we still had those, and that just dragged. You know, the, the system's clunky, it's of its time, and nobody minded fighting some slavers in mm. some mountains with, uh, you know, sky-ready ships and all these other th- cool things that made the fight interesting, but it was taking forever to make it finish. And in the end, one player said... Do they not just run away now? I was like, do you know what? Yes, basically. <laughs> like, I got to do a role for it to sort of like, so I could justify just giving up on the combat. But it had gone on long enough, you know, it was just boring to carry it on. Yeah, there was no yeah. point. No one was getting the enjoyment out of it. So I think, generally speaking, most players are with don't mind having a fight or mm-hmm. a conflict, you know, whatever it might be. But it then, like you said, has to have some quality to it. Otherwise, people very quickly get fed up. Okay. But I, I don't think we'd be on thin ice to say that combat is a feature of many games. And, and let's no. just assume it is, otherwise we've got nothing to talk about. So if you're still on board, if you're still listening, we're going to be talking about fighting in RPGs. The good bits, the bad bits, the bits that leave you with bruises, and the good experiences and bad. So we were, you mentioned, mate, Feng Shui. Feng Shui 2, to be specific, mm-hmm. is um, for people who do not know, and there may well be some of them out there, uh, Feng Shui 2 is the game of Hong Kong cinema um, action movies and it is explicitly a game about having over-the-top fights and uh, bullet fests and car chases and it also folds in a bunch of stuff from kung fu films and happily crosses and mixes up its genres um, and is very much designed. I don't think it's fair to say it's a combat system with a game attached to it. I wouldn't quite go that far but it is a game that definitely spotlights interesting and dynamic cinematic fights and it's been instructive for me mate you've been running it i've been playing it we've had a couple of sessions i've found it really instructive and learned a lot of lessons about about what to take into other games that have combats which is in my experience quite a lot of them yes got i mean it explicitly wants you to have fights so that's that's a thing you'll be doing what it's good at is then saying make them all interesting so an adventure will basically be a setup for three fights really with some connective tissue to join them together but each of those fights will be in a different location with other cool stuff going on and things that you can import to other games are like a list of interesting features that are in that scene so whether it's barrels full of oil or you know a makeshift scaffolding that looks like it might collapse at any moment or whatever it is it'll just list a bunch of stuff for you and the players to interact with to bring into their descriptions of what they're doing in the fight and that Mm. kind of stuff um, and I also like Feng Shui for the fact it has like different levels of bad guys so some systems do this and that but it has mid rules so there are some characters on the table who are there just to get beaten up 
Mm. Like the one job really is to be mown down in their dozens. And then sort of featured fours who are sort of roughly equivalent to the players, but maybe a little bit less. And then maybe a big boss who's a bit better than all the rest of you. But they all have different features or a special ability or something quirky that they can do. And the whole game's geared around having interesting fights when you have them. And it's, it definitely pushes people towards bringing their own description in to make to help with that making it interesting. Yeah, and, and that's that's one of the instructive things I've, I think about Feng Shui too, is that when you play it, you uh, you may not think of yourself as particularly good at improvising or coming up with stuff off the cuff, but it, it without even labouring the fact, you find yourself adding in maybe probably a little bit more description than you might do if you were playing, say, 5th edition D&D, and you had a paladin that was using a smite power. You know, the best of us, after 15 rounds, are going to say, I smite it. Um, yeah. but, in, but in Feng Shui... Oh, you'd feel like you were letting yourself down if you were doing that. You'd certainly be letting the side down. And, and of course, there is encouragement to to play up your character and to make them larger than life and to keep dialogue sprinkled in as you do things. I found it remarkably easy to do that, actually. Hmm. And I think, you know, we've all ingested enough action movies uh, adjacent to our role-playing hobby. We're always watching those sort of things, aren't we? That I think hmm. we've got so much to call upon. It, it makes you think, why don't we do that more in other games? Now it, it may be that that people are doing that in other games, but I think sometimes sometimes those other systems kind of uh, drill it out of you a little bit. So it's been really instructive for me to realise just what fun you can have when you ignore certain aspects, grids, ranges, stuff like that. These really don't appear in Feng Shui too, not particularly. The map is not your friend, but it still feels very tactical, very blow by blow, very moment by moment, and full of drama. Without mm. without being, um, and I'm sure we'll talk about some other options later on, without being the kind of writer's room story game where we just decide what would this fight look like and we all take a sentence each and write the chapter. It's not like that. There's a game in there, isn't there? There is. There was a surprising amount of bells and whistles when you get under the hood, although the basics of the game are very simple. Mm. But it sort of gives you... Um, permission to do crazy stuff because it's based on the Hong Kong action movies and it also frees players up to maybe use their secondary attack which isn't as good as the main one whereas in some other games you'd feel like you were letting the side down if you didn't use your primary attack whenever you could and that sort of thing and you can do stuff like stunts and things are free so if you want to like leap off a two-story building and somersault down to the floor you just do that no one's asking you to make an acrobatics roll you just Mm. get on with it and do it uh, one of the characters got prodigious leap so he can leap 28 metres at a time vertically or sideways or whatever else he wants to do and that costs a shot in the, the economy of the game shots are basically how you take actions um, so it means that you don't get to act quite as often but um, Guy who's playing the old master does it all the time because he thinks it's cool hmm. he thinks oh, I, I probably wouldn't be near that guy so I need to use my prodigious leap to get over there so I'll do X, Y and Z and explain how he gets over there dancing along the top of bamboo trees or something like that and it costs him mechanically in the game for doing it but he doesn't mind, and nobody else does, and we do similar things. Because it seems fun, and you're using your powers that you've got in your sheet. Some games, quite a lot of them, suffer from having more rules about things. Yeah. So I remember playing, it was a Fate-style game, a sci-fi-style one, and I wanted to leap over the pool table to double-kick someone, basically. And the GM gave me a penalty for that, because I was you know, mixing acrobatics or whatever. Now, we'd all say if it was our fair game, we wouldn't do that anyway. But it sort of illustrates that when there are rules for, like, if you're leaping over cover, you get a penalty. Or if you have to move somewhere, then you only get a, you get a minor action rather than a major one, or whatever it might be. By having those rules in your game, you inhibit people from wanting to do expressive stuff because it might cost them mechanically in the game. 
So it's 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 probably one it's one to consider in whichever game it is you're playing is do you let what do you let players get away with given that you've got a set of rules and quite a lot of those rules are about making it harder to achieve a task because mm. all that tends to do is retard people's ability to say cool stuff because they're trying not to say something that'll get penalised. Yeah, it uh, genre or genre should define everything, shouldn't it? And um, there's there, there'll be some stuff that's acceptable in one genre and completely unacceptable in another. I mean, mm. you know, personally, I think leaping over a pool table to attack someone is, you know, that should be pretty clean. In I can't think of many genres who shouldn't shouldn't encourage that. I'm not even going to say accept it, but shouldn't encourage that as a basic kind of move. Um, that seems to be entirely fair. Now in Feng Shui, that would be fairly. That would be fairly low ambition. Low level. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you're not hitting someone with a pill table, then you're doing something wrong. Exactly. But I guess if you're playing Call of Cthulhu and you're in a bar in the 20s in Boston or something and leaping over pool tables, that feels a bit more pulp Cthulhu. So maybe that's slightly out of genre, maybe a penalty. I don't even think a penalty would, would be the right thing to do in that situation. I think it's one of those let's get on the same page of the game at the start of the game things, isn't it, with everyone? Because mm-hmm. with Feng Shui, uh, it's important to note we're playing Feng Shui 2. In Feng Shui 1, you used to be given negative modifiers if you didn't come up with cool description. I think mm-hmm. even Robin Laws, who's written the game, uh, uh, would shake his head at his past self on that one. That's a, that's <laughs> a little bit <laughs> that's a little bit bad doggy, hitting the dog on the nose with a rolled up newspaper. Unless you can do it right. <laughs> so that doesn't happen anymore. But just by asking people to play up their characters, well, guess what? Decent people do. And sometimes that's all it takes. So I'm surprised that in uh, many games, uh, whether it's in the rule book or not, people don't take the time to have that little bit of expectations chat about every scene they do. But if they ever do have that expectations chat, it's never about the combat, is it? You know, we, we can have mm-hmm. lines and veils conversation and X cards, and they're all good. I like those. Uh, but it's really about you know like what sort of tone um, is suitable or encouraged in the game that we're playing, and then yeah. it, that chat would have would have got you straight over that pool table, wouldn't it? Yes, yeah, exactly. And to sort of build on that point a little bit about it not being a penalty, the other good thing that Feng Shui does is if there's something like torrential rain, for example, that should give everybody a penalty, perhaps in a different game or low lighting, whatever it might be. If some characters particularly good in that circumstance, they get a bonus instead, rather than everybody else getting a penalty, which mm. is just it's such an elegant solution. You know, I don't use the E word very often, but. Like just to give that differential between one character and the other, why like penalise seventeen NPCs and four of the player characters? Just yeah. give the the acting PC a bonus for it instead. Yeah. Genius. That's something you can take to other games. It's so clever, isn't it, mate? How many times have we played pirate games where you're on a ship and it's a storm, so everyone's at minus two? Yeah. <laughs> How about no one's at minus two? Minus two. Yeah. The guy with the sea legs is at plus two. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> You live and you learn, don't you, mate? Across many, many years, we still live and learn. So, yeah, Feng Shui's been super instructive and, it, and it's focused our minds on on fighting and combats and, and I'm definitely going to take some lessons from it. Um, but, as you say, mate, I made the point that there are plenty of games that have a three-combat kind of act structure. Mm. Plenty, maybe even the majority? I don't know. But if you look at published scenarios... And all the advice that you've ever been given is to like start with some action. Doesn't have to be a combat, but often will be. You might start with a combat. You might have a big bad at the end of your slot, your session. So that's likely to be a slugfest, and you probably have a little skirmish in the middle. Now, 
the interconnective tissue, those the other scenes that fall in between those could probably expand or contract depending on scenario and genre. But I'd be surprised if like, you know, the majority of games didn't have three fights in a, in an adventure. But sometimes it doesn't look like that, does it? Yeah. No, no, no. It doesn't. And it it can be weird as well, depending on the game, how long a fight will take and therefore mm. how many you can get into a session. So a three-fight adventure might take you two sessions to get through because you haven't got time to play the combats out. True, true, true. Whereas with some other games, you can get four or five fights in, and maybe if they only last 20 minutes. Mm. It's it's a bit of a balancing act. But yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that kind of managing expectation things because another one that's going to raise its head probably, so I'll mention it now, is game balance. Ah, so, yeah. you know, there's arguments about challenge ratings in D&D and that kind of thing, and should all fights be winnable and just about winnable? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, is it okay to start off your game with a chump fight, which the players will definitely easily win, but it makes them feel good about themselves and get them used to the rules, that kind of thing. Mm. And is it okay to have creatures in that they're very unlikely to beat and should run away from? But unless you've had like some kind of discussion up front so they know that that's a thing that might happen, maybe they run up and try and attack the, the white dragon when they first level mm-hmm. D&D characters and have no idea that they're about to get eaten. So it's... It, it, <laughs> I don't know game balance. What do you think? I think there's there's a place for it for a GM to understand what the encounter is that he's putting before the players. Mm-hmm. Is it okay for players to just assume they can f- defeat anything they meet? Do you need to have a conversation first to talk about it? Oh uh, well, as a as a died in a wall D and Dia over many many years, every edition of my favourite game has kind of played this a different way, and that means that we now have loads of tribes and loads of opinions and factions on on combat even within just the sphere of D&D but it's it's a good one to discuss because balance is a question that comes up all the time so um, I really like a balanced game because I can unbalance a balanced game to my heart's desire however yeah. if yeah. I have an unbalanced game I find it much more difficult to balance it so <laughs> purely from yes. a, a selfish point of view yeah. so that's good so I kind of like knowing baselines and stuff like that but that's as a GM that's as me putting together scenarios now D and is a game with levels, and and monsters have hit dice and so on and so forth. And one of the, one of the usual, uh, simple complaints that people make against D and D is like, oh, it's just just escalation all the time and inflation because you know you might get killed by a goblin at first level and a dragon is just a bigger goblin because you've got more hit points by that time and they're doing more damage and so on. Uh, it's not strictly true, but let's go with that for a sec. I think what it means is it's quite nice to know that against first level people showing them a dragon is probably going to be the end of your game <laughs> usually um, yeah however to your point do the players know that or do the players think it would only be in the adventure if i could kill it there's a bit of metagame thinking going there on is there, a thing isn't on that. there yeah so difficult to turn off that metagame thinking uh, really really is and and if you if you put time and effort into your hobby and, and if you're a dnd player and you've got your options books and you've read some online articles and you've you played more than a few sessions. You know that the goblins are fairly cowardly, and you can kick them around a bit. But you know, and you may know that a manticore is is a threat. But all of that is meta knowledge. What your character yeah. knows in that setting may be nothing. You know, a manticore may be a creature of myth. It may never get named as such. How much verisimilitude do you want to put into your combats? Well, to answer your question directly, guys, I kind of like being a bit more open about stuff because one thing I can't bear. Is uh, is is combat's ending games just because where well, you should have run away or you should have known better? Because honestly, players don't. 
They don't. I wish they did. I wish I did. It never even occurs to me in a fight to run away or to lick my wounds or to, you know, to, to feel that maybe I'm being outnumbered here. That people will do ridiculous things to to try and stick it out. <laughs> it's and and but what's the other option? TPK. That's actually no fun, except you know, as a kind of a laugh on the internet forum. Ha ha! I had a TPK last night. Oh, well done. You've you've ended your campaign. Congratulations. <laughs> And combat's like one of the few times that that can actually happen. It, it can it can end your it can end your group. Yes, if it's not played well. So I, I think being open about stuff is best. And it can be just as simple as you know, don't expect you guys to win every fight. You know, you might want to like think carefully about where you go and what you do. There's a living world around you, and I've sort of seeded it with loads of things. And some parts are dangerous, and some are not. It's up to you to provoke in the way that you want. Or you can just go, you, or you can not say that. And if you don't say that, I think you have to assume that that if, if the initiative dice come out, then there's a chance that you can succeed. Otherwise, why have the encounter? Mm. And then there's um, there's kind of the aspect of well, if we move away from D and D for a bit to something like uh, Warhammer Fourth Edition, mm-hmm. there's that where it can be quite lethal. A lot of the OSR games are uh, even something like Savage Worlds, which is quite survivable can be really swingy so that like that your mm. basic mook goblin might just the dice explode and all of a sudden he's done a bunch of wounds to a character who happens to fail another roll and then mm. ends up dead or you know crippled or something I, I, don't, I don't quite know how you manage expectations in games like that sometimes except for things like maybe Reinquest, Pendragon, Warhammer mm. all these sort of games you're going into fights and every fight could be your last one yeah. so that requires a different kind of mentality doesn't it but you kind of have to know that going into the game I think I think you're right, mate. I'm I'm not a fan of lethal games, and in fact, worse than lethal games, I'm not a fan of games where it's uh, it it's too realistic about healing times. Oh god, yeah. There's just I just don't see the appeal of having my character spend five months in hospital after a after a fight. And I may, that may just be because I like my stuff to be a bit more sort of action movie, just generally speaking, action adventure. Um, you know, maybe it would be different, but in a Call of Cthulhu game, just to pick one random example, and I don't know what the healing rules are for Call of Cthulhu, but in my mind, I seem to remember that they are a little bit like you can have a hit point a day, something like that. You know? It's of that order of magnitude, yeah. Yeah, it's not a lot. You certainly don't wake up feeling magically refreshed like you do in Fifth Edition D and D. You know, it's at the other end of the spectrum, isn't it? And a lot of games yeah. are because they want to be realistic. But, you know, gunshot wounds, I'm lucky enough to have never suffered from one. I had a bad enough time falling over in the surf last week. I don't want to get shot with a gun because falling over in the surf put me on my knees for a week. So, but that that took me out of life. Yes. <laughs> so, you know, getting a gunshot wound or stabbed and like playing it up to the max, I appreciate that there are plenty of games that say, oh, this is deadly, this is gritty, and everyone's going to go, oh, cool, great stuff, let's play some unknown armies. But if you take it too far, you're just turning the game off. You're saying to people, mm. you are now no longer playing. I suppose you can make up for that with speedy character generation or troop play. There's ways around it, but too much realism. I'm, a, I'm of the opinion that combat should be kind of a bit like Die Hard, where Bruce Willis is often covered in blood. But you know what? He's going to be okay. And come the next scene, he can still <laughs> fire his Uzi just as well. Yes, yeah. I do kind of like... Because there's a complaint for D&D as well, isn't it? Sometimes you become bags of hit points. Mm. And yes, the monsters are getting bigger and all the rest of it, but you just your survivability is such that an hour of combat's gonna play out and you're probably not gonna die if you're like, mm. you know, you'll choose to back each other up and you choose the rise options and don't do anything stupid. 
But for something like the Warhammer 4th edition, for example, I like that kind of, you've got a set number of wound points, which is kind of your plot immunity. Mm-hmm. And while you're just in your wound points and getting hit, you're just getting closer to taking criticals, which are the really bad things. So they still feel, you're still bad when you take them, even though you don't suffer penalties to hit or anything like that. And then criticals start to do the real damage. And I like that mm-hmm. kind of element of it that fight after fight, once you clear your wounds, you can just keep going into them. And you know, for, for a hit or two, you're fine. And then the third hit's really going to hurt. So I kind of like that that sort of level of lethality, if you know what yeah. I mean, where this, you get some element of immunity from destruction for a couple of rounds at least. And then, as we were sort of discussing about what to do with encounters that might be too tough, then you've got an option to maybe run away or to do something different. Yeah. No, that's fair, mate. And I think that's probably my sweet spot as well. I like those kind of combats. Um, but, you know, that's where the, the system helps you. So you can look at the system and you can look at the, your character sheet and you can make some informed decisions about risk. There are plenty of other games where you wouldn't be given that level of assistance necessarily, or you might be seen, uh, it might be just a lot comfier. Um, it's quite hard to kill someone in Fate, for example, with a stress track. Very yeah. difficult. You know, I've done some, uh, I've done plenty of Fate games in my time, and I'm sure people are shouting at their radios now, yes, you can. Well, I, I haven't seen it, and I found it difficult to like snipe someone and blow their head off. Yeah, well, you can, shot. you can take a consequence and take yourself out of the fight, can't you? And, and then yeah. it's on your terms if you choose to do it. So like, it's virtually impossible to kill someone if they don't want to be killed. They might be captured yeah. or something. But the system actually allows players to go, okay, well, I'm out now. Yeah. <laughs> All bets are off. You know, I'm not dead, but I'm, yeah. I'm down. I think the, um, the, the, the weird conversation that I have with myself sometimes is uh, as someone who's 90% a GM, um, as, and you are as well, aren't you, mate? It must be close to that. Yeah. Is that, we, you know, we have to lose the vast majority of our fights. You know, our NPCs <laughs> yeah, and our monsters... Yeah especially as a D&D DM I have to lose 99.9% of my fights and I and I kind of don't always know that in advance but it becomes clear after a few sessions it's like uh, my job is to lose so given that it's, it's not really supposed to be deadly death can happen of course it can happen for player characters I don't seek it out or anything else like that for reasons previously stated but generally speaking you're going to lose so if you're going to lose then the combat has to be about something more than just life and death and mm. that's that's a, that's a little rut that I find myself falling into far too often. And I appreciate it when games offer me options and choices and things to do in combat that aren't necessarily about last man standing. Yeah. Because my combats can devolve, and I will say devolve into that too often. I like the idea of like you know taking territory or grabbing a hostage and stuff you see in movies, books, films all the time actually a lot of rpg combats are kind of their own thing aren't they and it's it's last hit points yeah quite often mm. yeah i would like to see more of that sort of stuff which i know we, we sort of mentioned things really quite a lot quite a lot but that's because you're thinking of action movies for that game it's easy to think of things that might be going on so it's not necessarily just a fight there might be some guy who's trying to summon a demon up in the pagoda I need to stop him but you need to get through all these mooks first or there could be a bomb that needs disarming as well or there could be a rearguard action from some kobolds while they run off with a miller's daughter or something and just these are the ones you've got to get out get out of the way quickly enough so you can go and save whoever it is that you need to save and that kind of thing adding extra dimensions to fights suddenly make the whole thing a lot more interesting and it's not about two sides beating each other to a pulp it's like what objectives are there? So it's probably worth uh, looking at things 
Why the Napoleonic War, for example, to go a bit off-piste, but I'm, I'm playtesting some GT and Honor now for the new one with uh, Gabba, and that every engagement has got a thing about it. Mm. So um, the latest session we played uh, was about going to Oporto to, to sort of check these forces, but there were things like the French were destroying all the bridges and pulling over the boat to their side of the river, and you know we discovered a couple of locations they hadn't found yet which would be good for artillery or things like that and it's just it was there was lots going on it wasn't about oh, some british soldiers fighting some french soldiers if you actually look at old battles and it doesn't have to be napoleonic it could be any period of history if you look at battles there's quite often some sort of objective or some wider strategy that's part of this or there's a sacrificial battle that then turns public attention against the victors because of the way that the battle played out so it's worth dipping into real life to look at some battles and why they fought and what happened to get an idea about what you might then introduce to the, the wider concerns of your fights that you have in your games. Yeah. From uh, from my old wargaming days, uh, most wargaming rules have got loads of battle scenarios in them. There will always be one which will be like the equivalent of a pitched battle. You know, mm-hmm. you can wipe out the enemy. But that will always be one amongst ten or a dozen different scenarios. And those other ones don't get a lot of play because, you know, tournaments, etc., but they're always a good resource. Um, you know, capture the flag, for example, is a really simple one. Um, I don't see that replicated in RPGs very much. One of my yeah. uh, one of my favourite systems for this is uh, Burning Wheel. We don't talk about that too much, but the Burning Wheel family of games from uh, Luke Crane and, and others it includes a game uh, called Torchbearer, um, mm-hmm. which uh, I wouldn't recommend necessarily, but there are parts of it that I would like to pull out for other games. And one of those is that when you get into a a combat, you have to really set your stakes and you have to have a metagame conversation between GM and players about what you're trying to achieve. Because if you, uh, to go to your earlier point about lethality, if you choose to go to last man standing, like all out murder, the stakes are massively upped. There's like a black flag comes out because, <laughs> you know, th- th- this this could be death. But yeah. equally, you could choose, um, I think one of them is drive off. Which I think is such a lovely objective because I think that would happen so much more often if it was if it was enunciated clearly at the start of a potential combat. Like you know, the gnolls are chasing you through the dungeon. What do you want to do? Yeah, you could have a stand-up battle and kill the gnoll tribe, but maybe you just do want to drive them off so that you can mm. get the rest of your night's sleep and recover your resources. And and the stakes are lesser for drive off. It's a bit easier for you to achieve, but obviously you've then got a recurring enemy. But all of that has to come out in a, in a metagame conversation. GM has to say to players, what do you want to achieve? That's, I think, a bit that could probably do with including into a few more scenes just generally, and certainly in combat. You know, How, how do you yeah. want this to go? Like, are we putting death on the table? Because then that <laughs> answers the lethality problem, doesn't it? Yes. And you can do it combat by combat instead of system by system or campaign by campaign. Yeah, that's right, getting the players to buy into it and then... That's on them then, if they've said that's what the stakes are. Yeah, you can get stuff. That's just sort of reminded me about uh, getting ideas from films as well, or books. Mm. So like the Lord of the Rings, certainly the films and the books as well to a degree. Stuff like on Weathertop, where all the Nazgul are attacking, trying to get Frodo and the ring. And Aragorn's throwing around, you know, flaming brands and stuff. And that's a drive-off situation. You're just trying to defend yourselves and Mm. keep them away. You're not bothered about killing all the Nazgul and how many hit points they've got. Or or later on at the... um, sort of like the gates of Mordor and there's an army there but they're just there to hold on to the other army while the other guys sneak around the back and that kind of thing there's all kinds of things that come out mm. where you just you can just think of a, an interesting fight that's not just about killing every single one of the other people on the other side uh, I think that's useful yeah good to think about 
this is um this is why i think combat combat is central to a lot of games it's central to a lot of rule books it touches on all of the other aspects of the game i think you know we've lamented the decent chase rules in games before mm-hmm. because they are they're fundamentally they're a part of combat i'm coming around to thinking that a chase is just a combat with a different location every round um, <laughs> yeah but because they're always treated separately people don't run away and they don't run away because they don't trust the system to support a chase or the GM kind of goes oh please don't turn this into a chase because I'm not <laughs> yeah. entirely sure about how this is going to work so you know, don't, don't grapple anyone and don't run away <laughs> it's like the unspoken laws and, and no wonder you end up with slightly vanilla combats off the back of that stuff if the rest yeah. of the game isn't supporting you know my point about who wants to spend five months in a hospital that's not supporting gameplay if you've got those kind of rules and you go, I don't think, not not the kind of games I play. So the rest of the game has to like be propped up by its combat system and also prop up the combat system. They they mm. have to go into each other because it is the one time where you may have your character ripped up. I guess you could lose a character to sanity in some games and there will be some other things like retirement or going to jail in Blades in the Dark, but usually it's going to be a, a knife in the back, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting the approach that the sort of White Wolf games are, are taking compared to they have done. There's mm. always a thing about to say they're supposed to be story games. There's some quite involved combat rules. Mm. Um, I'm playing in some mage at the minute, and gosh, there's quite a lot of rules around it. But because <laughs> you're mages, when it comes to they have to it, like the whole lethality thing goes away. Like in two of the four sessions, someone's effectively died or taken lots of aggravated damage, but wow. three of us have got like the life sphere. And we've brought them back. <laughs> it's just like <laughs> so you can have like pseudo lethal fights in that game if you've got the right sort of powers to back it up, sort of thing. But then, uh, like a barroom brawl can be really weird because of the way dots people have got his skills and stuff if they don't use magic. It's a bit odd. The new game uh, V Five, the version of Five Vampire, handles things a little bit differently. So it's still got that kind of involved combat stuff if you want it. It also mentions though that really combat should be three rounds and done. Right. So that's probably something we're not really mentioned in terms of how long things should be or what's going on. And then they've also got alternative rules to say make one dice roll and then you decide how the fight goes. Mm-hmm. So set your stakes and then just roll some dice, a bit like conflict resolution. So it's it's interesting to see there that you've got almost three different modes of play depending on how you at the table want your fisticuffs to go. Yeah, that, those yeah those decisions I think are worth having. I, I'm all for part of that pre-combat negotiation before the dice hit the table saying like do you want to play this out or do you want to make it just a quick scene is this important to us all and it is stepping outside the game to say that it is but you know frankly if you do just want to like you know reach through the window grab the guard around the neck and slit their throats and drop them you probably don't want to get out the battle map for that although I've done it we've all done it you know you probably don't want to get out your miniatures and go into initiative order and spend all of that time and for what should be just a, a quick literally a cutscene <laughs> but you know th- but those are time constraints those are time things aren't they it's like how much time do we want to give to this they always they still end up in murder it's just like yes. how slowly do you want to how slowly do you want to get to the murderation how fine grand detail do you want it to be yeah yeah exactly i mean i do i do quite like being able to choose and to be able to swap gears and stuff like that and move up and down through it and you know that that might if you don't mind bring us to another point of like you know should combat be treated in its games as just another conflict is it you know is it something that could be treated like picking a lock plenty of games want you to do that they don't even have what they would call a combat chapter they just say this is how you overcome challenges with our system might be one role might be a couple of roles but combat is just another one of those where'd you sit on those bad boys 
Yeah, I love it. So that's very similar to sort of duty and honor, which I've already mentioned. That sort of mm. tests all work the same way. And, you know, whether you're trying to win a diplomatic negotiation or something, or you're trying to defeat the French cavalry, that you're basically using the same mechanics to do it. And I think that's, I mean, you sort of mentioned it then in terms of sort of top down. I'm thinking bottom up, but almost I want to elevate other things. Right. So I'd like to make breaking into a mansion a combat or you know a, a scene or something rather than just like a climb roll and a pick lock roll like I, I feel like there could be more to those kind of things mm. which a yeah. lot of games don't give you stuff for they give a lot of weight to combat chapters some games are most, almost exclusively about how you fight things or the powers that you can have and very little about like how you conduct a, a negotiation to stop the you know the orcs keep rampaging through your lands or you know you do whatever it is disarm bombs or whatever like, I, I really do like having a mechanic that sort of does everything but you use different skills or powers or abilities or traits or whatever it is to give people the spotlight in those areas yeah so uh, a game I wanted to mention it would be Apocalypse World um, and and all of its progeny including Blades in the Dark stuff like that. so they, they use that approach don't they and they, mm. they, have, they have clocks um, or you know stress tracks whatever you want to do um, and, and they are it's a tool set that you can use for any kind of challenge or any kind of conflict and ostensibly, it's like improvising some hit points for a situation, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I quite like that too, guys. I think that's a nice thing to do. And I'm, I'm the same as you. This is why I'm constantly looking for decent chase rules, because I want to elevate the other parts of the game to match what can happen in a good combat in a system. Yeah. I don't, I don't mind if systems don't have huge combat sections, but, they, but they're always slightly more detailed, and they seem to have had a lot more thought put into them. And, and players do, as you said, they do tend to sort of lean forward in their chairs when when combat starts as long as you can keep them leaning forward and don't have them like falling asleep because I guess we should talk about durations because I think I think maybe the people who don't like combats what they're really saying is they don't like long combats I think there might be yes so with Powered by the Apocalypse games you can kind of set out your stall on how big or how small a thing you want that to be with the amount of successes that are needed the size of the clock or a clocks within clocks within clocks if you want to do it like that um and I'd like to circle back around to some of the ways that they treat their fight as well with they don't really have a punch someone in the face ability <laughs> weirdly or, or shoot someone no. they have like you know um, I'm going to mess up the terminology now but they have like act under pressure and uh, yes acting under fire and stuff yeah yeah and, and going aggro which isn't actually shooting people but it's sort of being aggressive and intimidating people during a fight yeah. and that kind of thing exactly but it does mean that if you want to like drop down people's clocks, you can, you can equally use other abilities. You could use your science ability, or you could use your, uh, your, your charisma essentially. And you can knock down people's defenses just by, just by playing it the way that it does in cinema. You know, there's some, yeah. there's fights get ended sometimes without a bullet being fired or a, or a, a fist punch thrown. It, it can be de- defeated by all kinds of social or, uh, or other ways of just like you know joining in. Mm. Um, because I find games where it is simply punches and bullets and swords, they can be a bit dry. And and actually, you think I've got some skirmish war games that would probably be a better bang for my buck tonight if that's all we're going to do. Yeah, and I think part of that comes from you know war games and chair mail and the 
you know, the ancestors of D and D, and then games that are built on because D and D exists followed a similar sort of model. So there's there's quite a lot of games that seem to lean into combats because it feels like that's what role playing games are, and that yeah. you should do that thing because everything does that. Which is why millions of games have initiative, for example. When mm-hmm. do, do you actually need initiative, and it should be work the way? Can you just like decide, for example, yeah. that that sort Agreed. of thing? I know the the Grognor Files podcast mentioned that recently. Because initiative isn't in the other parts of the game, is it? It's not no. in all of those ones you were talking about, like lock picking or anything else. Like there isn't this special extra rule that sometimes, and even in Feng Shui too, has its own special rule. Different dice doesn't yeah. even use the core mechanic for initiative. But it feels <laughs> it has to have something. Yes, yeah. I mean, Feng Shui does do something different in terms of your initiative. Then will uh, dictate how many actions you get and things like that. So mm. there's a bit more to it. But yeah, uh, I know what you're saying. So a lot of games have got combat so just built in the DM because they think it has to be there and they think that needs its own separate chapter I think is what I was saying so why not have a generic system that works for everything and then special abilities that work for niches within those or something like that I think that's perfectly Mm. acceptable and I think that granularity thing we talked about as well affects combat sometimes because there's a fine grain to things about who can get a bonus for something or, or what you need to be able to draw a weapon or because there's rules for things that stops other people being free in what they do because it feels like there's a rule they have to follow so then they can't do as much cool stuff or you're worrying about if they can do it or what it means or how the dice rolls are affected because you know there's rules for it somewhere and you should look them up whereas in a seduction or a computer hacking there aren't rules for it so you feel a lot freer in just making things up as you go or adding stuff Mm. in Um, so yeah I think I'd like to see in a lot of games for me personally is combat becoming less grainy and other things getting elevated up yes yeah, I agree. Um, because because the stakes have got to be higher in a combat, so I'm not entirely comfortable with one roll and you're dead. Because that's you could boil down a combat system to that, essentially making it save or die. That's what John Wick wanted to do with uh, Legend of the Five Rings, apparently. If you get hit with a katana, you die. <laughs> and the game's company convinced him to change that. Yeah, that's the samurai dueling mechanic, isn't it? Essentially, yeah. it's, it's, the duels don't work that way, actually, more or less. <laughs> if you're unlucky, yeah. And there's all kinds of mechanics you can do, but game designers like to use mechanics, and and if they're going to find a place to put them, it will be in the combat chapter. Mm-hmm. If it's not there, it'll be in the magic chapter, and the magic chapter is probably all about combat. So it's the same thing anyway. <laughs> but that's where the that's where the sexy mechanics go. So I, I guess our call is like. Um, is to bring bring the rest of the game up to that level of pace, but pace is is something that we obsess about, don't we? And is it fair to say then that that in trad games, when you hit a combat, you've also put the brake on the pace of your session, because you know, we we need to talk about duration, don't we? In yeah. my standard D and D games, a fight is going to be forty five minutes to an hour, real time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think my totally unscientific poll I did the other day on the Twitters, people said they wanted between three and five rounds. Well, that's what they expected for right. a traditional style game, which may or not be quick. Now, with pacing, so there's um, one of the Pompeii crew used to say Savage Worlds wasn't fast, furious, fun. It was slow. And he mm. was entirely incorrect and demonstrably wrong. <laughs> Everybody's entitled to their opinions, obviously, but he's wrong. He's got, he's got a right of reply if you'd like to email in after this show. <laughs> yeah, please send show, me a letter. You can, you can state your case and be completely un, unopposed. He can start his own podcast if he wants to say something different. <laughs> <laughs> I did discuss it with him at uh, Dragon Me to one of the conventions. I think the problem was the GM. And so 
pace of the game doesn't actually slow down with the fight, if the fight is interesting and pacey within itself, mm. then it's exciting and interesting, and people are glad to do it. And in fact, relieved when it's over, and they can all sign, you know, have the sigh of relief and recover and take a healing portion, and then have a nice little bit of adventure that doesn't involve a life or death struggle, potentially. The problem is if you get into a fight and it's grindy, or mm. you know, every player's not been thinking about what they want to do on their turn, and so they listen to what everybody else says, and then you say, "What do you want to do?" Bass, and you go, uh, "Oh, wait," and start looking down at your character sheet for what powers you want to use and stuff. Yeah. That's terrible. And if the gem's not pushing things around, and you know, hasn't got all these baddies sorted out and can run them smoothly, and you know, gene people along, making sure people mm. are teed up, all that kind of stuff, a lack of pace within the combat then makes it boring. I don't think a combat in itself puts a break on the game, but a bad combat will, much like yeah. a bad dialogue scene was or anything else to me. I, yeah, I, I agree, mate. I agree. Uh, maybe this is all a straw man argument, but I, I feel like I've had lots of conversations with people who say they don't like combats in games for these reasons. And maybe I've just been speaking to people who just don't like the sort of games I like. I don't know. Because uh, I like good combats. I like good scenes. I like, I like good everything. And again, if you bring up all the other scenes to have that kind of pace, then happy days. And it's been really interesting to run games for kids and newbies recently and to to notice, and it's the first time I'd really noticed it, how you are in almost a different game once you've got an initiative order. Um, one of the things you have to train newbies on quite early on is that you don't have goes like you do in Monopoly and Cluedo and the rest of it, where you don't go round the table and say, what do you do? You kind of say, what do you do to the table? And anyone can chip in. But when you get to a combat, all of a sudden you're telling people, ah, right, this is different. Yeah, and uh, here's some initiative, and and now it now it's going to be done in goes, and and it is it is very much a different game at that point, isn't it? Mm. And that element of it can slow it down a little bit, and yeah, I, I suspect you know as someone who's written a game, I had, I had a long, long, hard think about initiative, and and I was very nearly pulled the trigger on it and said I'm not having it at all, but in the end I went the other way and made it complicated because <laughs> people like it. The the other point you were making about time is is a factor though. Uh, I've played one of the reasons I don't like D and D to an extent, certainly higher level D and D, is it can go on for some time, and as interesting as you try and make it. And you can set up a you know a great scene and some different baddies with complicated powers and you're all having to do stuff and using the terrain to get advantages and all this cool kind of stuff. But once you're over forty five minutes or over an hour, and then you know, okay, now the now the dragon's bloodied. I'm like, oh Jesus, we're only halfway. Like that's yeah. just, you know, that loses the will. So there's there's definitely gonna be a difference for different people on how much time they're prepared to be sat there rolling D twenties or whatever your system is. Yeah. Um, and that's one of the reasons I like Savage Worlds, for example, is a fight could be 20 minutes and quite a big complicated one with lots of components. And then it's done. And that doesn't feel a lot of real life time to spend on having a battle. Whereas something similar in a high level 4th edition DD campaign might take two hours. Hmm. Just because yeah. of how the system is. I mean, people don't ask themselves the questions. I, I've, I try to. Um, I try to decide in advance like how long do I want combats to actually physically take over? I'm same as you, I think 20 to 30 would be my sweet spot I doubt that's uncommon, I'm sure there'd be some people who say like 5 minutes max and yeah. then there'd be other people who go well I, you know, I can't really get into it unless it's unless it's like 40 minutes plus I suspect there'd be fewer of those although I think it is really really is fair to say that there's there are a, a quite a few games out there with quite quite a few abilities and sticks and little stunts and feats and the rest of it yet their combats last two rounds so i've played plenty of games where my character hasn't been able to press all of its buttons and pull all of its levers because combats only ever take two rounds if you're mm -hmm. lucky sometimes one 
And if for me, if a combat takes one round, you get to do like one action and a bit of a move, it wasn't worth having the combat. And and it sometimes seems to surprise my GM in those situations as well. Yeah. Like, oh, okay, that was quite quick. Oh, you've 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 one shotted the bad guy. So well, all of these things can be planned and prepped for, can't they? So yeah. I, I'd I'd love my games to to land at about twenty to thirty minutes. And I think you know four to six rounds, so that you know get you, you can do the maths on this. I don't think people do this enough. Like how long as a player is it acceptable for you to have nothing to do while you're going around the other four people at the table mm-hmm. how, how long should you to, should it take before your turn comes round again because if you are asking people to sit there for 12 15 20 minutes between goes that's not uncommon in my experience mm-hmm. I think you're asking a lot of people and no wonder people get bored with fights because they're not actually fighting yeah yeah exactly yeah if you, if you have a big D&D group you say oh I have no problem running for seven people you go well fine and mm-hmm. you know every person takes three minutes, say, plus the DMs go. It's like twenty-five minutes between goals, yeah. and you roll RD twenty and may hit or may miss. There you go. That's you done for another twenty-five minutes. That's. I mean, if you're happy with that, I'm not knocking anyone. If anyone's out there playing D and D that way, good for you. Uh, I don't want to play it that way. I, I want more to do personally. But I see this on forums all the time where people are saying, "How can I make my combats quicker?" It's like, well, at least you're having the right idea. But it is purely maths. You can work <laughs> this stuff out. You can work out with. With hit points and stuff, you don't need to be a games designer to do it, but you can figure out what your tolerances are, like how much you need to have. I mean, actually, it doesn't take very long. I don't think you should be playing for more than a minute in your combat turn. A minute is quite a long time. If we said nothing for the next minute, people would think their iPods are broken. iPods. Yeah. Welcome back to the two thousands. They would think their smartphones are broken. A minute is plenty of time, but but. But if you did it one minute each and you had five people sitting around the table, it'd be five minutes between goes. That doesn't sound too bad, does it? Doesn't sound too awful. But I think you could get a lot done in that. But our real experience of combats is that it's nothing like that. I would say. Mm. Uh, I really do. I, I think even people who've got fairly simplistic, maybe barbarian style characters who essentially are trying to describe hitting something with their axe can often take a lot longer than that because they're not they're not on deck. They're not ready to go. Yes, and that, that sort of calls back to what we were saying earlier about making sure as a player you know what you want to do. And mm. it's, it's fun if you're listening to other people and you're getting into the story and you listen to what they're doing and their action might impact what you want to do. Uh, yeah. So you can be bearing that in mind. But if you're ready to go on your action, that's helping everybody else around the table, not from a, well, for many reasons, but the main one is you're taking up less of their time by sitting there thinking about it when you could have thought about it already. So like just yeah. out of courtesy to other players in fights, like know what you want to do. Or have two or three options that you might want to do depending on what happens, you know, and go for it quickly and just roll your dice and don't spend ages mourning about it if you missed by one or because you don't like the damage roll or whatever. Like, just the dice are the dice, get the results and move on. Because if everybody does that, your goal will come around quicker as well and you'll get another bite of the cherry quicker. Yeah, I, yeah, too much negotiation in the combat, I think, to be avoided. I think everybody's under a moral duty to get cracking and a miss is a miss, move on, you know. There's a, the, the game books will often say about you know the thrill of a fight, but they mm. often don't turn into that because actually people slow down because you're asking for quite important dice rolls and more of them than you would normally make in an investigation or what have you. So they tend to not be thrilling at all. I've, I've seen people use egg timers. I've seen people you know like stand up and walk around and start like rolling dice for people and all kinds of crazy <laughs> techniques to get some pace going. I think I'm just going to appeal to the mature gamers who listen to our show to see if you can do it a bit faster when it's your go next time. I'm going to try. <laughs> yeah, and uh, yeah. I mean I've used a technique before where someone said like, "If you don't know what you want to do, I'll come back to you." Yeah, 
and it's that so it's not being mean it's just like it's because there's four other people that are waiting for something to do <laughs> and I, like you know I can't let it's not for me personally it's for the other people I don't want to sit there with dead air waiting for you to decide I want someone to do something whatever it is I don't mind who you know whatever someone have a go so yeah and I appreciate for some people it takes a bit of time to do the the cognitive wheel turning in your head and you have to think about it a little bit you know we're not all necessarily the sharpest witted so some people just take a little bit longer and all the rest of it but uh try i think is to say like think in advance what you might want to do so a good technique i've seen for gms but this will work for players is think about how bodies might die so if you're a gm like me who always goes to a player like oh so how does he die then when the creature's gone down and then that sometimes puts people on the spot and they're not really ready for it and they don't know what to say well in between sessions you can always have a list of like d6 things of how the creature dies whether it's a headshot or you're hitting the heart or whatever it is and then just do that yourself for a little d6 on your own table to determine how you've killed the baddie or if there's cool things that your character will generally do just think of a few little descriptions of things in between goals however while someone else is doing their thing and scribble them down so when it comes to your action you've got a cool thing to say and you can tick it off the list when you've done something yeah. just a little bit of prep and you know foresight can help you in game if you're not as quick on your feet as some other people yeah absolutely and that's where a, a slower combat system or a more granular one can actually be your friend because you've, you've probably got time to think about what you're going to do and uh, yeah i'm sure that the game the game state could probably change before it gets to you but that'll happen more rarely than you think i mean you know yeah. generally speaking the thing you plan to do will still be possible and one of the good things about an open-ended combat system like Feng Shui is you don't have to worry if like the mook you were aiming at gets taken out by someone else because you, know, you weren't really picking an individual target in the game anyway. So like anyone will do, you can still get to describe it the way you want it. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, try, to, I try to do that. The, the other thing I try to do, I don't always succeed, far from it, is I always try to include dialogue um, that my character would be saying in a fight yes um, yeah, yeah I quite enjoyed that in Feng Shui I love doing that it's hard to do but when you look at comics films and all the other media that happens all the time uh, it's rare I mean, you might see like a Jason Bourne films they have silent fights they don't even have any uh, soundtrack usually when they're having a fight and that's 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 almost unique because a lot of the time people will be chit-chatting away murmuring to themselves monologuing at people not even in Pulp Gonzo games just there will be something is being said or people will be cursing and the rest of it it's quite nice to seed that into your description because then if you've got some of that prepared then you it's okay for you to say i attack it with my sword while saying yeah <laughs> and then you've got you've got just an extra bit of salt and pepper and then this you know i don't want to go push this too much i suppose but people say that they that combat isn't role-playing for me combat is role-playing it's a role-playing opportunity it's there to be taken otherwise why take an hour off of your role-playing game you know you can insert plenty into it and i i suggest you should insert yes. as much role-playing into a combat as possible yes definitely and this is where things like um the princess bride if it's mm. obviously the book because the film's rubbish let's let's start a fight <laughs> on the internet but you know i might know montoya you kill my father prefer to die that kind of thing because oh, actually i find i've been using my other hands i'm actually left-handed and ah uh, oh, so am i all that kind of bits and stuff adds a little bit of that becomes not just a fencing scene mm. the story to it and a bit of characters injected uh, and let's start another fight about star wars one of the reasons the phantom menace is rubbish of which there are many is there's a fight at the end with a guy with a double-ended lightsaber darth maul yeah. and he's jumping about and doing cool stuff and he's a martial artist and it looks amazing not a word is spoken. Not a word. Even when 
you know, Obi-Wan's master's killed, he doesn't say anything. Really? He might shout no or something. But there's a barrier between them. They're both pacing him down. Nobody's saying anything. Compare that to earlier Star Wars films, where Darth Vader's taunting Luke, trying to turn him to the dark side. Luke's ranting and raving and saying, no, I won't fight you, all that kind of stuff. There's loads of great examples in media you can look at to think, like, how could I make my fight cool? Mm. You know, grab a bit of inspiration from other places and, uh, you know, write it on your little post-it note. Come to the next session, you'll be full of ideas and cool stuff to throw in there. Yeah, and I, I often think this is an underserved area of gaming. And um, you don't need anything more than the advice we've just given. You don't. You could write down some lines in advance if if you want to make yourself comfortable with that. That's that's easy to do. Um, but you know, you don't need anything more than just that advice to try and to remember. Because as a GM, I often forget what a great opportunity it is if I've got some villain in a fight. For you know, how many, how many times have you killed the villain to find out they've stupidly been keeping a diary and they've kept it on them at all times with their plans in it? <laughs> but in films and TV and the rest of it, as I keep on saying, that would come out as dialogue in the yes. fight. The, the seeds to the next, the next location, some potential events, you know, some betrayals, you know, all of that backstory should come out from. You can come out with library use rules, of course it could, but a combat scene is just as much of an opportunity to drop secrets and clues into your game, and it, and it's probably going to be a bit more memorable too. Yes, yeah, for sure. Uh, and you can tie in things like seeding the next location that, that ties into our making the combat more interesting if uh, I don't know I'm thinking like Raiders of the Lost Ark type stuff if the Nazis are like stamping not even addresses but like some marks on the side of crates and put them on trucks that are driving off somewhere to a plane that's got the propellers spinning and there's some kind of fight you're having but you need to get to the plane to work out where it's going or at least delay the pilot or something you can seed in the clues of what's going to happen next while also make the fight interesting about do you try and defeat these guys in front of you? Do you try and stop the plane? Do you try and mm. jump on the trucks and hide? Like, what do you do? And give players options about how they want the fight to go as well as giving them clues and bits of dialogue from the evil villain and all kinds of other things you can chuck in there. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm, I'm aware, mate, we're probably tapping into round six now. We're getting there, we've, we've, yeah. We've, 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 we kept a cy- cyclic initiative, so we've not been rolling every round. We kept the initiative that we had at the start, <laughs> but it's getting towards the end of the battle. So, final thoughts, mate. Final thoughts. Um, what games? What game systems do it well? Um, and uh, where where should people go for inspiration for for their combats? Maybe outside of gaming. Yeah, well, I've, I think I've mentioned, I've sprinkled my my insights throughout the uh, the combat rounds as as you've Clever. described. Very good. It's, yes, it's, very good. it's a good way of doing it. There is stuff for interesting mechanics to try out or to look at. Maybe try Godlike or other one-roll engine games where everybody states what they're going to do, all roll dice, and then you work it all out afterwards. And, and But everybody's rolling dice at the same time, and then everybody's invested in the outcomes. So that sort of breaks up the whole taking in turns to roll and see what happens. That's that's an interesting thing. Uh, we've been hammering on about Feng Shui too. That's just worth it just to read and see how they do things. i definitely look at something... As well, if you find combat dull, or certainly for lengths of time, look at games like Hot War or Duty Honor or the other small press indie British games that have conflict resolution. So whether you're disarming a bomb or having a, a full-on bite of, uh, fight of Waterloo or whatever it is, you just make one roll or one flop of the cards or whatever it is, and then that's done. And then you move on to the next bit of story. So there's different granularities you can go for. Uh, if you like sort of D&D style games, you want more fun, I said the 13th Age stuff and you're on King of Dungeons, uses more of that kind of animated style of stuff. I mean, I could go on. There's, there's many games to look at, aren't there, to be fair? There is. I, I think my advice would be to get, get your favourite game 
and have another look at the combat chapter and um, lean into it I would suggest like lean mm. into it a bit harder I know the temptation is, is often with a game is to use a percentage of the game to not always use rules as written and to and to jettison some parts of it and, and elements of the combat chapter are often the first to go well maybe yeah. encumbrance is first to go but there are there are elements you know um, and you know look look at those grappling rules and they'll probably find them impenetrable but don't let that put you off trying to put some grapples into your next game because in movies those scenes are brilliant where they're where the two combatants are locked together rolling on the floor together holding one knife between them and trying to plunge one of them's trying to plunge it into the neck of the other and the other one's trying to force against it there's all kinds of great scenes take those scenes and see can your game do that can your game do that thing where you burst open the door and the baddie's got a hostage and they've got a gun to his head and they're holding him from behind around the neck saying don't take another step forward or this kid gets it you know i'm going to posit that not many games will give you rules for that but it would be a great scene to open your combat with it'd be lovely so you know take some of that stuff because rpg combats i think over time have just become their own genre certainly Mm. they have in D &D. D &D dnd's become its own genre but an rpg fight is very much its own genre look at the but look at how they how they're represented in your favorite action movies how do they start how do they finish what cool stuff happens in the middle i think you'd be surprised because you could try and track hit point loss across fights people have done that nerdier people than me have done that very successfully in some cases but yeah have a have a little look at that and then look at your game and see how you can pull that into and lean into those rules i bet they're there to help you yeah and i'd look for like special powers of things look look mm. at your monsters and see what abilities they've got and then build an interesting encounter around that ability or monster yeah. power or whatever it might be that's cool uh, and then think about things like reinforcements turning up mm. or ticking clocks of something like if you don't stop the Nazi plane in six rounds it's gone yeah. uh, or something like to put a sense of urgency there and then have features on the battlefield that make a difference because I think that's that's what engages people a lot isn't it like we we mentioned leaping over pool tables giving you a penalty is bad well the opposite to do is put things on the battlefield that give you a bonus Barrels that can explode, or anything we get in computer games, or shoot them up. So you know, loot packs or whatever it might be, but put stuff in there that's interactive, so players want to do something with it. Yeah, and, and a little RPG design tip is, you know, if you can make skill, be generous with skill use in the middle of a combat. Don't tell people it will take them the whole round to perceive the ne- where the next enemy is coming from. Fold that into their action. Make it a tiny part of their action, and any of that interactive stuff that you've suggested, guys. Please, please, please make it at least as worthwhile as shooting someone, because there is nothing worse than them going. Well, how much damage will it do if I if I push them into that burning oil? Ooh, I don't know, two d six. Well, my punch is two d eight, so I'm better off doing that. Aren't I? <laughs> you know, you've got to be a bit of a game designer on the fly sometimes, but make it worthwhile. You know, yes. have things blow up. All good. Right, that is pretty much time. Thanks everybody for listening in. Uh, we probably could go for many hours on this topic of fights and combats and stuff like that mm. but if you out there in listener land know of a particular game that does something cool or interesting or different with fights do let us know because we always like hearing from you and also buying new games that we're never going to play but reading anyway <laughs> absolutely yeah kaya bring me more kung fu listen it's been brilliant to be back it's been uh, really really good to get back on the air again um uh thanks for having me back on guys uh, and also all of our fantastic supporters of the show who've reached out over the last couple of months over this weird lockdown period which is still kind of weirdly continuing and half not 
it is great to hear from the people who listen to our show our glorious patrons uh, keeping us on the air every single month and we are so so grateful for your donations um, join the smart posse at, at uh, what the smart posse do at patreon uh, because we love having you on board and it, and it really does encourage us to keep going in these trying times so thank you all for listening indeed yeah thanks very much for all your contributions your reviews if you can share our podcast around if you can comment on itunes whatever you can do always helps out so go to patreon.com forward slash the smart party you can get more details at what would the smart party do.com i'm at the underscore smart underscore party on twitter uh, or at bat stevens for baz uh, and many other outlets and media platforms well i'm on zero hits and making death saves i don't know about you mate but that's uh, that's probably my time is up that's it thanks everyone for listening and we will catch you next time